did that on purpose. I don't have to miss. I believe you. So what happens now? We face each other as God intended. Sportsmanlike. No tricks, no weapons. Skill again, skill wrong. You mean you'll put down your rock and I'll put down my sword and we'll try and kill each other like civilized people? I can kill you now. Frankly, I think the odds are slightly in your favor at hand fighting. It's not my fault being the biggest and the strongest. I don't even exercise. Episode 145 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to head over to the Facebook, the Cult of Matt and Mark, and like us, or hit our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com, or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to the Amazon and pick up my novel, Nova Byzantium Now. Uh, Nova Byzantium Out Now, courtesy of Mass Books. Well, I stumbled over that one. Uh, I, I, maybe I should just prepackage that ad. Just kind of like uh, have some dazzling intro and have some uh, sexy lady, you know, give the uh, synopsis on the back cover. Or we could like put that. some put some club music. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. No wonder I'm not getting any good sales. I can't. Uh, I can't. I can't uh, put some pizzazz in that uh, little. Hey man, sad, you gotta spend uh, money to make. You gotta spend money to make money. Time to uh, call up. Uh, Call up uh, Adam Carolla, see how much one of his mid his live read spots cost. Probably pretty expensive. You know, uh, yeah, that's probably why we uh, don't make any money off of our podcast currently. We're not spending any money on it. So, well, uh, I was thinking more of your book. I don't think there's any way oh. you could possibly monetize this podcast. No, not any way at all. I don't know. I, I guess like. Uh, I could stage a video, like we could go out to Eastern Washington, put you in an orange jumpsuit and me in a, you know, black outfit, and uh, I could threaten to cut your head off for money. I I, I don't know. Uh, is that too soon? Is that joke too soon? I'm not. Are you just talking about the general beheadings that have been going on for the last yeah, 10 years sort of stuff? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think, that's, that. I don't think that's too soon, uh, I oh, guess. Okay. I mean, I guess it depends on... <clears throat> I'm not going to worry about it. Let's not do it. I think it might be a little tasteless. I like, yeah, I like, the FBI I like the would get involved. The FBI would get involved, and then our whole monetizing effort would be uh, all for naught, I think. No, man, so it'd now, blow up viral, baby, viral. Uh, it'd be viral like the interview. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it'd blow up like that shit. But it doesn't sound uh, like that, that interview is making much money this weekend anyways on its few uh, screens. We'll see what I, the online. But, you know, I'll be honest with you. The last one of these movies with those two – Yabos. What are, what are their names? James um, Franco and Seth Rogen. The last movie I liked with the two of those uh, was Pineapple Express. Oh, I thought you were going to say Freaks and Geeks. But, oh, uh, that, I, no. I, you know, I never did see Freaks and Geeks. Good show. It was a good show. Yeah. Uh, I liked, uh, what was it? This is the End. That was okay. That was right. I, I saw was bits watch. and pieces of it. Just, I don't know. It was a little contrived. but uh, uh, I had to give them kudos for the Demon Schlong. I, yeah, I, I mean, that was brave. brave that was move. pretty neat. To ha- had some reminiscences of Urutsu uh, Kidoji for uh, oh, any anime uh, fans out there. It also has some. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't say this with. Well, I won't mention any last names. But our buddy Will was invited over to uh, 
uh, I guess, cess place uh, to uh, proposition him for some possible concept art. And I don't think anything came of it, but then uh, apparently the house, that modern house uh, that is featured in the film, is a more or less a facsimile of some previous uh, concept work uh, Will had done. So I don't want to start any big rumors, but uh, uh, oh, let's just put it this way. Oh, this is some dirt. Let's put it this way. They're not completely original dudes. So... Uh, Anyhow, but uh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to unearth that. And get Will into any trouble. I've probably gotten him already into too many, too much trouble. And I'll say, can you uh, edit that part of the podcast out? Thanks. Let me That'd know if you need me to make a redaction. <laughs> well, it'll be post. So keep the uh, master tapes handy. Anyway, uh, let's see. Any show news? I saw the third Hobbit installment. Oh, I'm sorry. I know it was it was it was okay. Uh, I I managed to see it while drinking a pitcher of beer. Actually, no, it wasn't a pitcher of beer. It was just two beers, but it felt like a pitcher. They have beer uh, at Cinerama. No, I went to uh, Cinnabar. Oh, so uh, just yeah, you just I, by yourself drinking beer at Cinnabar, or did you find some? Friends yeah, I thought about getting a with. pitcher, but I didn't want it to turn into an afternoon. So I wanted to get the hell out of here. Uh, out of there i didn't want to like have to stick around and uh <laughs> you know head over to the canyons across the parking lot and sip uh lemonades until i was so oh, the canyons oh man so <laughs> anyway but yeah no I, I i downed a few beers made it a little bit more intolerable it was okay it was only two and a half hours it was like a band-aid getting ripped off quick you know <laughs> well i guess they're they're already fucking at the last location for the movie so yeah it was all right it was do? all right it was okay uh for those movies it was all right so, All right, well, uh, I look forward to seeing them on DVD sometime uh, in late 15. Okay, good for you. All right, I have one rant. Uh, what are you drinking, by the way, Mr. Hudson? Uh, mulled wine. Say again? Mulled wine. I don't know what that is. Uh, basically, you take wine, you mix honey in, and you sort of uh, simmer it with, uh, well, I what I used was um, anise, cinnamon, cloves. And okay. you add some orange zest and juice. You can also use other citruses. And you sort of a cook seasonal, it. like a seasonal kind of beverage, right? Yeah, I've been making it this season, and I, and I really like it. You can buy super cheap wine. Uh, this one's composed of some varieties of uh, two fifty Chuck. Oh, and, nice! Uh, it, it's really, it's really tasty, and uh, I, you know, it, you just put it in the fridge and heat it up one mug at a time. It lasts for a long time. Pretty good, ah, good midwinter drink. I uh, it's nice. Went I went to the uh, Central Market this evening, mm-hmm. uh, which if anybody isn't familiar, well, I guess nobody would be if you're not from this part of the country. But uh, let's put it this way: the Central Market uh, makes Whole Foods look like a discount expired food store. It's it's fucking outrageous going to shop at the uh, Central Market. Like Whole Foods is way cheaper, which is sad. Whole Foods Foods is is that much cheaper than Central Market? I mean, I guess no, man. Whole Foods is fucking expensive, but the Central Market just fucking stacks it a little bit higher on the old uh, pay scale for you. I guess I guess I don't quite follow. I mean, I go to Central Market and their their prices, well, they're not as cheap as a normal retailer. I don't know, like their ball food section seems pretty reasonably priced. Oh, the meat sections. Uh, oh yeah, I haven't gone to. Uh, I haven't bought any meats there. And I, bought, the I buy my meats at Costco. That's the cheapest place to get meat. Uh, very true. Uh, anyway, so I was going to, I got to pick out a beverage for this evening for the podcast. So I went to the beer aisle. Mm-hmm. 
All I got to say, man, what the fuck is up with the IPAs? The India Pale Ales, I swear to God, it was like 80% of the craft beer section was fucking IPAs. I'd I, be quite honest with you, I, I don't like IPAs. and I, I fucking hate IPAs. I avoid them generally. I mean, I understand that hops is a nice flavor. Look, I like, I like cloves and cinnamon and anise, but it's too much. Jesus too Christ, much. is it ever too fucking much? Yeah, I, I don't, I, get, I don't it. get it. I, yeah, I don't get it either. It's I, sort of always, like it's sort of like overly peaty scotches. Am I right? Yeah, I, well, perfect analogy because I I do like a peaty scotch, but you know after a certain amount, it's like I can't drink peaty scotches anymore. It it it's a nice change. It's a nice delta, sort of in the uh, continuum rainbow of the Scotch uh, flavor world. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ, if you're camping out on those things all the time, and I'm like looking at this section, and it's like if I went, yeah, exactly, to Scotch a Scotch store, and eighty percent of them were like fucking peated out whiskey. I'd be like, what the fuck's going on here? Unfortunately, so, ninety percent of them are non peated out, super. Super easygoing blends, unfortunately. Well, and, and, and you know, uh, what the fuck is up with the IPAs? Get off that I don't, shit. I don't, you know? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a, I guess it's a treat every once in a while, but it's not an everyday beer. Uh, well, they're, they're so ubiquitous, they gag me out. I mean, if it was a rare thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, that'll be, well, that's kind of wild. You know, that's, that's, that's super bitter. But it's like I just have this, this impression of a bunch of hipster uh, beer meisters in like some craft brewery with lumberjack beards trying to figure out how to inject more hops into every single ounce of beer. When more hops will do the trick, more fucking hops. I'm like, well, give you it probably a fucking fractionate, rest, man. Take the hops and do an extraction and fractionate it and then take the most bitter fractions and put them in your yeah, beer. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I wonder if different people have different taste profiles, the way they experience flavors and i wonder if maybe you and i are on the high end of sensing bitterness from hops and maybe very well could don't get don't get quite the same flavor i know um like i really like aspartame as a sweetener and a lot of people really hate it and the reason they really hate it is because it tastes very bitter to some people and uh, not sweet as it tastes to me well i i I think like everything it's an acquired taste you know, well, but, there's, uh, I mean, there's that, there's that as well. There's a certain acquired nature to it, but I wonder if there's a, a physical uh, reason. That, I don't know. To uh, me, some people t- like hops more. To me, it seems like you're eating ice cream. He's like, boy, this ice cream should you, you sh- really could use some more sugar in it, and then you like pour like a fucking you know uh, spoon of sugar on top of your ice cream. It's like really, it's already sweet enough. Why do you need to do it? anymore i mean beer is has kind of a naturally bitter taste from sort of the uh you know the the native hop level of ingredient that you put in it but just sit there and to inject it to like just hump that fucking beer full of hops i mean, what are you doing fucking mellow the fuck out with the hops quit with the ipas for a little bit back so, uh, at the fuck off what did you Jesus buy yourself Christ. or did you get yourself <laughs> no. a, a pills i got a porter I got a oh. smoked porter stone. Yeah, it's not so. my favorite either. I'll be honest with you. That's all right, man. It's not an IPA. That's but me, me, I'm a, I'm a light, I'm a light beer sort of. Not light beer, like light beer. But I like my beers to be crisp and uh, fresh. I like a nice flavor. pilsner. I like a good like a pil, uh, like a pilsner Irakel, which is that Czech pilsner is good. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, just fucking mellow shit. Uh, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to turn it up to eleven. But it's fun. I mean, I understand taking an adventure every once in a while. You know. 
I guess. I, I don't drink much beer any longer anyways. Uh, anyway, and me neither, but Jesus Christ, 80% of the fucking craft beer section's IPAs. Mellow the fuck out. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, true dad. Yeah. True dad. All right, let's get on to our movie this week. Our movie this week is the 1987 uh, classic, The Princess Bride, uh, a much-loved movie by many. Uh, quick plot rundown, as quick as I could get. Uh, a kindly grandfather sits down with his ill-grandson and reads him a story. The story is one that seems that has been passed down from father to son for generations. As the grandfather reads the story, the action comes alive. The story is a classic tale of love and adventure as the beautiful buttercup engaged to the odious Prince Humperdinck is kidnapped and held against her will in order to start a war. It is up to Wesley, her childhood beau, now returned as the dead pirate Roberts, to save her. On the way, he meets a thief and his hired helpers, an accompanied swordsman, and a huge, super-strong giant, both of whom become Wesley's companions in his quest. There you go. For better or worse. Mm-hmm. I mean... Watching this movie again, and, and with the critical eye, I normally turn on these films off of the podcast. I, I really enjoyed the way it cut from um, Fred Savage and um, God, who was the guy who played the grandfather? Um, oh, uh, Kojak? Not Kojak. Columbo. Not Columbo. <laughs> Fuck, who, who is that guy? Uh, Jesus Christ. Falk. Uh, Falk. Peter Falk. Yeah, right. yeah Falk and Savage. I, I, I really liked how they cut that in. I mean, they really were pretty, I mean, unlike an IPA and where people throw too much hops in. In this case, they threw just the right amount of this, this sort of current day aspect of the film in. And when they broke the film up in these very little police pace spots, I thought were, were pretty well done. And, um, I could see how maybe telling the story in this fashion could seem pretty clunky, but I really enjoyed it. I don't know. I mean, um, do you have any thoughts on, on those that, that aspect of the movie? Well, uh, that aspect of the movie, I mean, it's a meta type of aspect, correct? It's sort of a, uh, oh, I've seen it before. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm trying to think of where we've seen uh, The never-ending story. Which, yeah, but in that oh, case, it was the book was really out? magical. In this case, the book wasn't here. Uh, I mean, the kid was really drawn into the world in the never-ending story. Yeah, 1984 never-ending story came out. Um, to be honest about Princess Bride, I hadn't seen it fully until now. For oh, whatever really? reasons, I had mm-hmm. skipped over it and seen bits and pieces. Uh, like the intro part with... Uh, um, the three, uh, kidnappers, I guess, if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. I'd seen that I'd seen like the, the, the chase across the water, it's like the first uh, third of the movie, which is probably yeah, the, the cl- best third of the movie, really. the cliffs of insanity, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Inigo Montoya and mm-hmm. Andre, the giant yeah, yeah, and the little bald guy from moonlighting, oh, I mm-hmm. forget his name, uh, <laughs> was, was he even moonlighting? Yeah, what is his name? Wall- is it Wallace Shawn? Is that the yeah, guy? It's a Wallace yeah, Shawn. Wallace Shawn. He plays Vicini. Uh, yeah, uh, and I'd seen all that, and then for whatever reason, uh, like there was a commercial break, and I flipped the channel or something and didn't watch the rest of it. So, uh, well, I, I understand. Know you know, the movie slows down just a little bit, but I think it's, I think it, uh, I think it's almost just as good for the rest of the film. Uh, but I understand that. Yeah, I've I've watched that first bit up until they head to the fire swamp, uh, just because that is just that's just a nonstop 
blast of adventure in that first part of the I film. remember, and I remember the weird rat suits that... Uh, oh, the rats of unusual size. Which really is the only uh, fantastical element of this film, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, just one other thing about the the grandfather and the son, um, before we hit oh, the R-U-O-S's. Um, how did you feel about the very last scene of the movie? Where um, the grandfather expresses his love to his grandson uh, using the the same term Wesley uses. Oh, I don't know. Did that seem too schmaltzy to you? A little schmaltzy, a little corny. Yeah. I, 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 I tend to kind of shy away from that as a rule. I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm but, starting uh, to really that stuff's starting to really pull at my heartstrings lately. Oh, so okay. I, th- I thought I thought it was. Pretty well delivered, and I really enjoyed that aspect. It never really hit me before, but I think as I get older, I'm getting more schmaltzy. Uh, it's okay. Uh, my God, my grandmother before she went was ultra corny. So uh, once you hit that stride, I'll. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you didn't say ultra horny. Corny, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Did that not come through? Corny. Oh, corny. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, corny. Yeah. You know, my grandmother, uh, she she was not a sexual being, is the way I like this. <laughs> well, I thought we were going to go into a real weird story. There. No, uh-uh, not at all. But uh, corny with a big capital C, uh, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I, I I use corny a lot these days. It's a perfect word. Uh, I kind of uh, bulge it out to meet the specific definition I'm looking for, but it fits a lot of uh, it fits a lot of things. Yeah. But what are you talking about? Bulges and horny? I'm sorry, I'm confused. Here. Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, you want us to pause for about a half hour and we can come back and <laughs> no, take no, care we're of some fine. things. All right, got some stuff on your mind. Anyway, no, no, no. All right, so uh, yeah, I, I understandable. Well, You're loud. Why, why are we talking I, about the first half half of this movie? I mean, that first twenty thirty minutes. Then, um, because it was, I think it was better paced. It seemed a little less. Uh, Oh, when they start getting into sort of the the, the castle sequences, there are some mm-hmm. real charming characters there, like the uh, Billy Crystal, who are normally despised Billy Crystal, but mm-hmm. uh, you know made up as sort of this strange wizard. Oh, Miracle Max! And, you know, it's it's actually one of the my least favorite parts of this film, and so many people glom on to the Miracle Max scene, but I think it's well, he's actually one of the weakest characters in the movie. Strangely enough, uh, even well, though he's, he's a he's, big star at the time. No, nah, it's just it's, it's gimmicky, and he was buds with Rob Reiner, and so, he's doing that yeah. whole I don't know Jew thing that mm-hmm. so many comedians did. Yeah, the you know? the medieval Yiddish character. Yeah, I, people love they love taking the Yiddish character and, and putting them all over the places. And uh, yeah, I understand. No, it's an Billy, important part of cultures, but I don't know. It just I don't know. It just seemed a little hackneyed in this movie. Uh, Billy Crystal's okay. What I really get sick of Billy Crystal is 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 is, is fucking. Uh, orgasmic nostalgia over the fucking New York Yankees. He goes mm. on about that shit. I mean, he just when, goes when on. He He's always with that. He's always with like a New York Yankees fucking hat. And if you're a New York Yankees fan, it's like you know rooting for the U.S. when they invade a, like a two bit third world country. I mean, it's it's a fucking bot team. I, it's I don't like know being, why it's like people. being a Cowboys fan. Ah, uh, no. It's even it's it's least the least the cow, least the NFL is much more egalitarian. 
much more socialist, if you will, in its in its pay structures and things. Uh, fucking New York Yankees, this is just. I mean, I don't know what their payroll's up to a year. I want to say like a third of a billion dollars, you know. And uh, the next team that comes close to it is like the Red Sox, and they're like a hundred million dollars less payroll. And so they just fucking buy teams, and they're like oh, always in the World Series. And it's like fuck them. I hate the New York Yankees. Well, we should so, talk about baseball when the M's are back in contention again, because that's when I'll start paying oh, attention. Well, to shit, man. Baseball. This podcast will be in the dirt by that time. <laughs> we'll, anyway. we'll be in the dirt by that time. It will be in the – that's what I meant. Yeah, that's right. The host of this podcast will be in the dirt. Anyway, so, yeah, I can understand. the Billy. I mean, it was okay. It was just gimmicky, and it was a little funny. I mean, it was sort of a, you know, kind of a one-liner type of, a, 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 you know, with the mostly dead and all that kind of – Man, I thought I thought Nuance. it was pretty funny the to blave thing. I thought that was pretty interesting. The what? What again? To blave. To blave. Yeah, that's what uh, when um, Billy Crystal does the mostly dead thing and, and fills him with the bellows and has him say. Trouble. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, says right. he said to blave, and I always right. like that. Never heard that word before, and it still cracks me up. <laughs> so I guess uh, Carol Kane. I, I, I don't dislike Carol Kane's character. I don't like at all. I'm not sure what. She's she's either a you know take or leave it kind of kind of personality. So uh, I just always remember her as a fucking Latka's wife in Taxi. Uh, if people of I mean that's like real that's not even Gen X shit, man. That's like baby boomer shit. Taxi. Mm. People oh yeah, yeah. Taxi. Well, I, I hardly know Taxi. Uh, uh, Locky, you said Latka. Who was Latka. played by uh, the oh, famous fuck. comedian? Um, oh fuck, what's his name? Man in the Moon. Yeah, I forget, I forget his name. But yeah, I know you're you know, about. Yeah, Mickey Mouse or Mighty Mouse. Here I am to save the day. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Oh, it's, oh my God. it's not important. Uh, am I going to slow us down? Am I going to make this? Well, let's, uh, let's, not, let's, let's not know. So I, I, right. let's go back. I want to focus. We keep getting ahead of ourselves here. I want to focus on that first part of the movie where it almost seems like some sort of Greek mythology. A little uh, bit, it, yeah. It's so It's so like, simple. It's so straightforward. It has such a such a formal structure uh where with the man in black and uh, with besting these three champions of each of their own skill i just think that I, just something very satisfying about that yeah so it's I just a little want to talk uh, about each one of those events in in series if i could it's a little odysseus uh odyssey like right mm-hmm. yeah you want to talk about them well i mean um <clears throat> I mean, if you think if you think about the sword fight, yes. I mean, the setup to that is great. I think it's just so funny. Um, well, I mean, you got you got some great actors in there. Oh, the banter going up the uh, the cliffs of insanity. I mean, that's about... that's hilarious with Patinkin. Yeah, and um, I mean, he's a great actor. He's he's one of the greats. And uh, and then that that sword fight, which I think is I think is re- really a lot of fun. It's not a serious sword sword fight, but it, it has a nice pace to it. I think don't, don't you don't you agree? Yeah, no, it's fun. I I, I took fencing in college for oh, really? a uh, quarter. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest fencing instructor, but uh, I did get a little bit of an appreciation for uh, the sport or the art or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never did graduate past the foil, 
I guess like you have sort of tiers of, of fencing. You start out with the foil, which is purely pointed, and then you go to the things like the saber, saber and the rapier, which uh, you are able to slash and hit other portions of the body and get points and that kind of thing. Uh, but fencing is, uh, uh, what's the right word? It's extremely ballet-like. It's like if you mix ballet and chess. It's very mental, strangely mental, that game. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch that. It was fun to watch. I don't know if they were practiced or skilled or had been. It looked a little silly. Uh, it, you know, one it looks one like, thing I enjoyed, I really enjoyed the left-hand, right-hand business. I don't know if that's a right. trope in uh, fencing. It's know. it's interesting that um, I mean, both 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 uh, Wesley, I mean, the, the, the man in black and uh, um, Inigo, um, Inigo, they both start with their left hand. But if you noticed, um, uh, Inigo is wearing his scabbard to pull his, his sword out with his right hand. But uh, the the man in black is wearing his scabbard to be pelled, pulled out with his left hand, which I thought was I was not that observant. No. So, I mean, it's interesting that <laughs> they both come from a similar place where they like to fence with their left hands just to make it a challenge. I thought that was pretty interesting. But the man in black takes it to another level where he doesn't even put his sword. He he puts his he mounts his sword to be uh, pulled out by his non-dominant hand because it's so rote for him to do that. Got it. Right. Switch hitting, if you will. I, I just thought, I thought that was I thought that was pretty interesting. No, it was very it was very deft and and cleverly written, and uh, the banter was good. Um, yeah, there's really no complaints about that <coughs> that scene at all. Uh, um, the Andre the Giant scene. Well, the Fezzik stuff. I, I really I really enjoy um, Andre the Giant in this film. He didn't really perform in any other films. I think it's one one thing about this film that um, I don't know. It just really is incredibly charming to me. Let me, let me so, play a little uh, a little snippet of some dialogue right. with Fezzik. We know we open the we open the. Uh, the movie with it but here here's some more this is on the on the boat ride to the cliffs of insanity that vicini he can fuss 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 then you like to scream at us probably he means no harm he's very very short on charm you have a great gift for right yes Yes, some of the time. So, um, I don't, I don't know how you felt about Andre the Giant's performance in this, but I really enjoy it. And maybe it's just because I have a soft spot for. Andre yeah, the well, Giant. you have a personal connection to Andre a little <laughs> bit, right? What's, well, what's your personal to, connection? Well, uh, Andre the Giant's wife uh, grew up petite in petite woman. I'm picturing a very petite woman. Mm, just to she sort was of not. Like, she wasn't terribly petite when I met her. Okay. Uh, since she wasn't terribly tall, she was just sort of a normal sized woman. Uh, but she grew up in Everett though. I don't think they ever lived here, but there yeah, was very odd. once she gave, and I doubt she may not be alive any longer, but, uh, she once gave a screening of, of this movie in Everett and then talked about Andre the giant afterwards. And I went to that one time and that was really interesting. Just sort of hearing about his life and, uh, 
And and there's some stories about his health during this movie. He had really poor health, as you might imagine, for somebody that had a he had a that medical, big. He had a medical condition where he overproduced growth hormone. That's why he was so. Well, is, is it is it is it like okay? There's dwarfism. Is it gigantism? Is that it what was, they it's call it? It's a form it? of it. I mean, just just as in dwarfism, there's quite a variety of them. Uh, you know, on all sides with. I mean, there's problems with receptors and there's problems with overproduction of, of certain hormones and whatnot. And his was, I think a classic one where your, one of your glands produces too much of a particular growth. hormone. Because he's not just a big guy. Like there's big dudes who are like tall dudes and then, you know, their fingers are longer and, but like his, his head is like a third to two thirds bigger than the normal human head. I mean, yeah, he, no, he, he's he's enormous. His hands were. He was just he he was oversized. He had too much growth hormone in his body. I mean, it's crazy because you big. look at him like he's grabbing uh, was it Wesley's head, mm-hmm. and you're like looking at his hands. And you're like Jesus Christ, those are human hands on that guy's head. Yeah, like a normal I mean, head he looks is, like a softball in his hand. He is like he is a giant, literally a giant. It, it, it I mean, it's it's pretty. I mean, I mean, it's, there's it's a, there's a, a freak fair, showy. It seems like but, there's less giants in the world than there are dwarfs. So by far, sort of weird. Oh, yeah, it's got to be. I don't by know far. why that would be the case, but I think that it it really more so than any form of dwarfism, um, it really affects you negatively health wise. So, do you remember any anecdote that she told about Andre that uh, maybe the, the 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 listeners may not be aware of? Oh, yeah, it's it's all a little gray. I mean, he used to drink tremendous amounts of alcohol just obscene just well, dozens yeah. and dozens and i mean it's like something like 50 beers on a night yeah well right man i drank uh, 12 beers in a day so yeah, i mean um and i just remember i went with my mom and my mom and her really hit it off and they chit chatted for quite a while <laughs> that's really funny neat. she was very they're very similar to each other so i always thought that was sort of <laughs> neat that my mom was sort of like uh Andre's uh, wife, the Giants ex- wife, former wife, yeah, yeah, I you guess. know, and he and he died young, but I guess he was in terrible health during the filming. Of this movie he could hardly walk. Well, was he drinking fifty beers a day? For no, fuck's no, he sake? had a, he had a, he had all sorts of spinal problems. Oh, he, I had can terrible, he had terrible back pain. In fact, he wasn't really even that strong. Well, point. I can imagine. I mean, well, I remember him from the wrestling days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a big WWF fan in the eighties. So, um, yeah, I mean, he wasn't like a ripped dude. He was just enormous. Yeah. And, just, yeah. and so it usually would be like, you know, the ultimate warrior who died just recently, RIP, uh, if anybody knows. Oh, uh, did he? I know we all lamented the past. That was just a ripped uh, dude. Yeah. I mean, he juiced, obviously, like all those guys. Oh, yeah. But he was yeah. nothing other than a, a six foot three guy with a big frame. Yeah, with about 2% body fat. Yeah, I mean, it's know. fine, but he was just a a good-sized guy that could lay muscle down. Right, yeah. Yeah, him and, uh, you know, and the and the macho man, R.I.P., who uh, yeah. we all we And all Hogan, miss. too. Oh, Hogan's still fucking alive, man. Yeah. Like, I still, yeah. But anyway, that was the era. And so Andre would, like, enter the ring, and he would just kind of stand there. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like the fight you see here, where dudes would leap on him, and he would just he would just, like, not move. He and was just too massive. Just, 
And then he would just kind of pound on them, and they'd fall off of him <laughs> like fleas, you know, just boom, and, and then they would, like, knock to the ground and mm-hmm. writhe, and then he would just lay on them, and then they'd, he'd win, you know, because he was, like, a, you know. Well, he know was how. in better shape early, in the early days, so he got pretty slow. Yeah, but, I mean, they weren't, like, lifting him up and doing suplexes, or he wasn't diving off the top, you know, ring or anything like that. So he, he was just kind of this 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 uh, human oddity. That, yeah, uh, he was, but there's something about his humanity that, in this portrayal, I mean, it just, you would never, I would just, I mean, I guess he acted his whole life as a wrestler in the ring, putting on yeah, his yeah. performances, right. but I just, I find his performance in this movie just mesmerizing. Oh, well, yeah, look at I, that. I don't know what it is. It just, there's so much humanity in the, in that voice he has, and maybe it's great direction, but you would just never expect to get such a great performance, I think, out of somebody who hadn't really acted in films before. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was uh, <coughs> it was uh, uh, deft-handed at directing him in this role, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, and he definitely, he was a very sympathetic character. He wasn't just, uh, you know, a stage prop or whatever. So No, no, no. I mean, they really got they really got the most out of him. It's very impressive. It's one reason I just really enjoy watching this movie to this day is, is his performance. It just always, it always sort of amazes me. I mean, uh, the next thing in the big three, this sort of uh, great adventure uh, this movie starts out with is the Battle of Wits with Vicini. And I, yeah. I, think, I think that's this is a really interesting scene. I think a lot of people really like it because of... Um, Wallace uh, Shawn. Shawn's performance, which is really fun. He's, he's, he's one of the more fun characters in this movie. But uh, yeah. I think that... I think that, I don't know if they they took that that poison wine bit that is the battle of wits. I don't know if that's stolen from somewhere, but I was really I watched it a couple times this week, and I was really amazed at how beautifully that scene is put together and how it really is a battle of wits. It's not just a, a little shtick that happens. It's not just the turn that the man in black uses to win it. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's really nicely constructed. Um, what I, I mean, the reason I have to say about that is that, um, um, Fez, I mean, not, not, not Fezzik, but, um, uh, Vicini comes up with a really great solution to the problem. Uh, yeah, he, uh, I mean, he just, he, he know, he figures out, I mean, he goes through his whole rigmarole, which you're not sure if it's bluff to try to read something in the man in black's face. It likely is where he's going through sort of his shtick about going through the where the man in black's coming from and and where he would uh, put the poison in, which I think is a really funny, really funny bunch of dialogue. But he knows that no matter what he does, it it was not going to really work. Even if he does pick the right flask, the man in black will never drink from what he knows to be the poison flask. And he'll just kill him, besting him with strength. So he knows he has to make a switch and make. Not only does he have to know which flask, I mean, which cup has the poison in it, so he doesn't drink it. He has to make the man in black think he's drinking the non-poisoned cup. Good point. And I think it's it's a really great solution. It it sort of played for laughs when he goes, you know, what's that over there? And the funny thing is, um, but he's bested. even with, I think, that great piece, he's bested by the man in black because the man in black poisoned both cups, which was a great, you know, sort right. of. I mean, what's the, the, that's the unexpected solution, the, the something not, there's some famous not, right? What is that? 
Oh, the Gordian knot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like the, the solution that overrides, you know, the conventional thinking about the matter. Um, and I mean, that's a great solution too, but I think they both come up with, it's a, it is a really great, uh, uh, battle of wits and, I just am still impressed by uh, by that. Although the yammering, I must say, when he's keeps talking about cases, I'm like, uh huh, I lost it. Like, oh, yeah. really? You didn't like that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I just right. I just lost his train of uh, of thought. Yeah, I was like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think don't it's care. as important because I think he's trying to glean something from the man in black as to where. Uh, there's there's one. Oh, thing, I, I'm corrected. Wallace Shawn, not in Moonlighting. I don't know where I got that. Yeah, you're so. thinking of the other guy who played the dork. Thinking of guy. Booger. I don't know. Um, but we've seen Wallace Shawn. He does voices for animation. He was in Clueless. Uh, Clueless, he was the teacher, I mm. guess, in that. So, There's one thing about this that sort of bugged me, is that um, I think the man in black and uh, Fasini sort of missed an opportunity for a win-win situation during this battle of wits. Like the other two guys, more or less, where he uh, kind of came to a draw. and with No, it's, it's not even and- that. It's that, um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and maybe it's a lack of my understanding exactly what. So Humperdinck hires Vecini to kidnap his wife, his bride. Yeah, and, that's a little muddled. And, um, and I think the idea was that he was going to bring the bride back to uh, the neighboring uh, country, which is... Um, uh, they're ficti- it's strangely fictitious countries in a real world. Gilder and Florin. I think it's Gilder is the enemy of Florin. Yeah, and they're re- and this is this is kind of odd because it's not a true fantasy. They they speak of uh, known locations on the globe, yet they have these two fictitious kingdoms, mm-hmm. which uh, are in northwest Europe, someplace. A little odd. Somewhere yeah. it's not really clear exactly where, but you certainly oh. they're European in a sense. But um, Mark yawning through a commentary. <laughs> it, it seems like um, they could have. Um, he could have given the man in black Buttercup, and uh, maybe he could have. I mean, it still could have accomplished Humperdinck's goal of having her kidnapped, even if her body never turns up. I mean, maybe that wouldn't work as well. Because I think Humperdinck wanted her to be killed and found in Gilder. But that doesn't yeah, really make sense because right. how could Humperdinck just march into Gilder and find her? Uh, it doesn't all fit together. But it seems like they could have worked out something if they just would have talked about it. But that's a classic problem with movie plots. So uh, as sort of a somewhat fresh viewer of this film, uh, I'd like to take the conversation a little bit of a different direction. Uh, I'm trying to understand what its uh, appeal is and it, it seems like it's a very sentimental film. People who watched it have a very soft spot, well, have a soft spot in their heart for it. Um, it's, uh, I think teenage girls love the fuck out of this movie. Hmm. And uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is about this film. Is it's innocent a little bit? Uh, it's fairly clean. Uh, it's. Uh, what do they call it? A postmodern fantasy, a little bit. It doesn't have some of the usual tropes in it that uh, is a lot more male centric, uh, I guess. Um, but what is it about the film that's so endearing to a ton of folks? Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, I think what you're getting is you didn't like this film. That much. No, no, I, I well, I, I did, but it wasn't. It's. <sighs> It's not that I didn't like it. I just I didn't have a very strong opinion about it. 
Mm. Well, you know. if you're not charmed by the various characters, and we've only talked about some of the ones that I think are particularly charming in this movie, then I don't see why you'd like the film. Um, I mean, if we want to talk about the film's faults from a modern sensibility, uh, Gene doesn't like this film very much. Neither okay. does my uh, elder brother's wife. I was talking to them. Really? She, did. she didn't like it either. It has, huh? has to come due to the, the way it plays with male and female role models. And you mentioned that briefly. It has a rather, and I'm not sure exactly what you were getting at uh, with what you were saying, but my thought is it has a rather archaic um, portrayal of female characters. Is that not the case? It's a little, well, it's a little, uh, I mean, the problem I mean, do you, is. Do you that... want your daughters watching this movie and learning how to be a good woman from it? That goes into the whole princess uh, hand wringing that uh, yeah, I mean, parents I mean, of of girls seem to have this huge insurmountable uh, I don't know battle with the whole idea of introducing the princess to their 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 daughters and the whole Disney uh, industrial complex with well that's the, why they uh, like Frozen so much or brave uh, they're princesses but they're also kick ass. Well, they, see, they design me, their own. They, they, they're uh, the actors in their own stories, not the passive. Agents. Well, and see, I always think that's cheap. I, I think taking females and making them more uh, male in a story. I always think of like you know Trinity as the classic example. You just got to make a chick, but she's an ass kicking chick, and then it'll be cool. And I was like, no, that's still that still has the same. Well, what you do is you make it. Trinity a guy, and you make Neo a woman. You make uh, you make Trinity a chick with a dick, and then at the end you have this really bizarre lovemaking scene that throws. Okay, everybody. so oh, we're casting Bailey know. J as Trinity. Yeah, that's right. That down. <laughs> That'll work for me. She's a brute. Right. And yeah, and Chaz Bono as Neo, and then oh you know, come on, you're ruining I, it. So I, no, the whole prince. Let's get back to the princess thing. I I, I don't. I I'm kind of agnostic. I, I don't really give a shit. I, I think if if my daughter, you know, wades into the whole Disney princess milieu and wants to wear princess outfits, you know, to the grocery store, I don't think I'm going to give a shit. I just well, I don't. I don't, th- I don't think it's much. about being the princess. It's about what the princess, but being the princess entails as a passive character. Uh, in older stories, uh, well, they're 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 more it's of an not the newer of... the newer princesses are being remade. Just look at Brave yeah. and look at Frozen. I saw Brave. I didn't see Frozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just all I could think about watching Brave was that Kelly McDonald was really hot, and mm-hmm. then I kind of faded out with the whole you know story. Mm-hmm. And there's <laughs> something about a bear queen. <laughs> Whatever, and I don't think there's any bears in Scotland anyway. That was kind of my issue. I was like, "Is there any fucking bears in Scotland?" Not for, I kept not for wondering some that. time. Yeah, I kept wondering that the whole fucking movie. I was like, "Is there really bear?" I, I didn't want to whip out my phone and Wikipedia. Okay, so but... you you didn't find the the female role in this movie, though it is pretty archaic. I think very archaic. Oh, I yeah. don't mind because I'm a man and I identify with the male characters, and they're the actors in this film. They're, right. they're the people who drive the plot. They're the good. They're the evil. They're the mixed. Uh, I don't mind, but I could see how the people. I mean, well, the princess female, has nice to have a more active agent to identify with. Well, the princess has very little free will at all in the film, if any. Uh, no, I think no, she, she broods more than anything else. I think she tries to convince Humperdinck uh, about uh, Wesley's mm-hmm. fate a little bit, which. Uh, I think he tries to placate at one point, but I, there's no, there's no, 
Yeah, there's well, no the most active thing she does is to give over Wesley to be tortured. That's her. That's her great active move in the in the story. Yeah, or kill so, herself. Those are her two but, things she could do. But chicks dig this film, or they did. The teenage girls mm. just dug it. Mm. And they loved I it. I, I mean, I it was I like. I mean, I, I don't remember that. I mean, I just I remember, uh, uh, like in college, you know, there'd be like the, uh, uh, you know, the the girl nights where they'd all like, you know, watch Princess Bride and the, uh, whatever, and one of their doors. Well, that was Elvis that was doing that. <laughs> What's that? That was Elvis's beautiful boyish charms. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Didn't hurt. So <laughs> if that's not what made you wonder why do people like this film, and I think that's what makes some of these movies and women I know wonder why people like this film, I guess it gets back to something else. There's something else that doesn't that you don't get. You know, I mean, why do people like hoppy beer? Or why do people like this movie? And it just doesn't click with you. I mean, for me, it's just the charming characters, and we haven't even talked about them all. I love, I love all the characters. I think they're these wonderful archetypes that are, are really great. And I mean, I guess it's a simplistic fantasy tale, which I sort of uh, like. Sort of distills down human interaction to sort of these, uh, I don't know, understandable bits. Getting rid of some of the, you know, the grayness that fills our lives. Well, it's it's uh, it it has a what's the right word? A creative story within a uh, pretty stereotypical trope. Right, it has a supporting cast of characters. The Wesley guy, a character I didn't find particularly interesting. Or I think he's really fascinating in the sense really? that he becomes a fucking pirate. He's dark oh. as shit, man. He's he's beautiful, fresh faced boy, but he also has this darkness inside of him. Oh, I mean, it seemed we... a little insincere. It just seemed yeah, a little insincere. maybe so. But he still had to run. He's had to run a lot of people through over the last five has he I, I didn't get that I, mm. I i i got a little bit of a of a kind of a good, whitewashed goody, pirate two shoes yeah he's a little yeah. whitewashed it's a good point it's a good so, point it's sort of a weakness of his character not the strongest character in this in this movie no i mean there was stronger there's stronger supporting characters and humperdinck was a little bit uh well you like i i i, I could talk about humperdinck if you like go ahead i mean i really really like the humperdinck character He's really, really one of the best characters in this film because he's one of the more, I don't know, he's one of the more, I don't know, novel characters. Now, sure, he's the bad prince, but there's there's a lot of things about Humperdinck that uh, are really interesting. I'm, I'm playing a little Humperdinck dialogue here right. just to get us in the Humperdinck frame of mind. Tyrone, you know how much I love watching you work, but I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. Get some rest. If you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. Well, that was a fun kind of sociopathic line. I mean, you know, that's a fun line. I mean, he's a schemer, but everybody talks about Humperdinck in this movie that he's, I mean, it's it's said on multiple occasions. I mean, Buttercup says it when, um, when she's warning Wesley that, uh, I mean, he's actually, before she knows it's Wesley, she's warning the man in black that he's bitten off more than he can chew by running up against the will of Humperdinck. That Humperdinck's the greatest hunter that's ever lived. And you can't run from him. And the truth is, I think that's the truth. Humperdinck is one of the smartest, uh, most intelligent people in existence. Uh, I mean, one of the great things, other than what 
uh, she says there is that um, Humper, when Humperdinck's doing the tracking, he just takes these glances at footprints and knows exactly what's going on. And he's right about it during the great chase at the beginning of the film. Uh, when um, he comes up to the aftermath of the, uh, of the Battle of Wits, he smells the vial. And he says, Iocane powder. I bet my yeah. life on it. And that's right. when Wesley and those two very smart people with the man in black and uh, and uh, Vizzini both agree it has no scent. So uh, he's 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 a he's a incredible, incredibly intelligent schemer. And uh, I think the idea that his only real fault is his I don't know, I mean, maybe his lack of humanity and. In a certain amount of cowardice, but is that? Has. I mean, is isn't is is that believable that he's this like amazing tracker? I mean, I I would. I mean, if it was like you know, uh, Vigo Mortis Mortensen is like Aragorn doing all that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, maybe he's a little bit more rangy. No pun intended, but uh, yeah, he has a little bit more. Um, uh, well, I guess you know, grittiness the, to him that I would believe that. But with Humperdinck, I'm like, ah, really? Okay. I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think of. I mean, when you think of, like, the evil person, I, I don't know, they seem like they don't make them... I mean, he really is an exceptional person, even though he's evil. And is he really that evil? He's just a politician scheming for the good of his kingdom. Oh, man, no. Henry VIII, like, killed how many of his wives? Whatever. Yeah, I mean... A lot more than Humberding. I think, I, think I think he's a really, a really great character. You know, in, in a way, I wonder if he might be homosexual. Well, that's just because he had a little bit of a feminine. Uh, uh, oh, because he doesn't care about it, uh, well, what, his bride what exactly, at all. What exactly is going on uh, with that with him relationship and, uh, with Christopher Count Guest. Rugen? Count Rugen. Yeah, Christopher Guest and Count Rugen. I love that character. The six fingered man. I'm just wondering, and is that a bit of an anachronism in the film? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, not. Maybe. Not I mean, just. It was the royalty that dandyish, I guess. Uh, who knows? But I don't know. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the character. I guess, I guess, I don't know. I just find that really pleasing that he's this incredibly exceptional genius in the movie. Uh, yeah, okay. I find uh, that really I, pleasing. I guess maybe I haven't made my argument for it. Well, but, uh, I... It just seemed it didn't. It seemed a little disingenuous. I guess yeah, I, I, I I didn't. You know, the third dimension wasn't there for me with that. And so hmm. I, I kind of. I, I mean, hate he to was say just it. sort of a spoiled brat. I could understand. I mean, or uh, or a strictly vainglorious idiot, which I think. But in the fact that he he's really scheming rather well, and it's only by the machinations of these other exceptional characters that he's bested. Yeah, no, I I get you. I I I just I'm trying to figure out why I, I I when did you first watch this film? Um, I think I watched it like in uh, when it came out on video, right after it came out on video, like '88 okay. maybe. So I'm wondering if I had watched this when it first came out, if there might have been some sort of you know I was into. Dungeons and Dragons. I had, you know, I kind of glommed onto anything well, I don't that think uh, the fantasy elements the most important aspect of this. No, no, no. I've, you know, like I, 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 I love sort of sword play and anything that uh, uh, just had a little bit of a uh, fantasy element to it. And I'm wondering if nostalgia has maybe anchored this in a way for you that that gives it a little bit 
Like if this movie rolled mm. out into the cinemas today. Yeah, I, th- I see what you're saying. I, 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 would, I would normally be quite ready to agree with you, but I, don't, I really don't think that's the case. If anything, I've grown more fond of this movie over time. It's the Mark Knopfler soundtrack. It's got to be it. The Knopfler soundtrack's pretty good. Uh, and the, <laughs> it's and the not way bad, that actually. He orchestrates it with the action. They really mm-hmm. were sitting there. I guess that's the case a lot of the times. But the soundtrack yeah. is, is actually very nice. And there's a lot of stuff where they're sitting there watching the film. And, and the uh, Knopfler must be up there maestroing. I'm a little okay. So to to couch my my viewing of this movie in the proper context, I watched this movie uh, within 24 hours of watching the Hobbit film. Yeah, and the Hobbit film is the what would you? I would say it's soulless. It's the special effectsathon. It's the uh, I would call it the opposite of uh the princess bride the princess bride i mean it's uh-huh. anti-nodal and i'm not saying it's in the bad i mean it's not uh-huh. great but it's definitely anti-nodal okay right with regard to meaning well, on can, whatever line they those two points sit on they're on the opposite in the streams. movie making uh, you know on the movie making spectrum there hmm. uh it, it's but i'm you know, neither one of them I very enjoyed that much. I particularly hmm. enjoyed that hmm. much. <laughs> you know, so like orthogonal to that line that connects the Princess Bride to the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. So it's much more cherished, I would call them fantasies of mine, like Excalibur, hmm. uh, which we reviewed in podcast. Fuck, I don't remember. Uh, a few other ones that I like Dragon Slayer. Hmm. Uh, you know, just just some other fantasies that, 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 is in my wheelhouse, uh, mm. and these these are just not in my uh, eigenspace, if mm. you will. I, I don't I don't quite I, I don't quite know why, uh, and it's unfortunate, I guess, because I I maybe missed out on on you know some of the enjoyment that you obviously got from it, and it's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. Um, it's better than The Hobbit, I would say, with regard mm. to its. Mm. Uh, Fantasy elements, and I was trying to get. You know, well, I, I think it's, it's, for me, it's about the characters and some of the fun dialogue. And, and it has comic it, relief in it. It has you know much uh, much beloved uh, comic relief that you know, especially the the one liners like "I am Inigo Montoya, you killed my father." You know that whole that whole. And that gets rather the dark there at the end when he hits when he does finally kill Rugen. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, marriage, marriage. Not Ma- my favorite I mean, aspect of the film. I don't like that part. <laughs> Well, there's a lot that. Of do there's, like that. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with the actor. I guess he's some British comedian. There's the, uh, of course. There's the, um, you know, the Billy Crystal scene we already mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's these um, uh, caricature esque little moments in the film that are very Rob Reinery. You know, very uh, uh, are brought are rolled out for for comic relief. Yeah, it's Rob Reinery. It's definitely a Rob Reiner film. Brings levity to uh, the scenes, mm-hmm. uh, like when Wesley is recovering from being mostly dead. Yeah, he's flopping quite, around. I, I think and that's everything. quite funny. I think that's yeah, quite he's funny. Like, yeah, it, all the floppy kind of the, mm-hmm. the and that the, lasts for like the last third of the film. Yeah, it's totally slapsticky. Yeah, I think I, I just I find that really charming. Mm. No, it's it's funny. It's 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 well, you know, it's it's not out of place. It's 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 it's. Uh, uh, I guess well directed and all that. So um, maybe it's the mashup nature of the film a little bit that uh, is interesting. I guess it's 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 sort of a 
what you call it? A light. It's kind of like a little bit. It's not a comedy, but it's uh, it has comedic elements in it, and it's not a black humor by any stretch. It's uh, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting film. Hmm. Uh, I think that's uh, it's different. It's very different, and hmm. maybe that's why it was. Uh, I've never uh, seen anything quite like it. Yeah, I'm with you. No, I mm-hmm. can see that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I think right. I, maybe I like the. I don't know some of the. I mean, what might be considered, I don't know, childish tropes of the movie. I mean, the idea of true love, these sort of romantic oh, elements, yeah. uh, and these sort of these characters that have, I don't know, honorable motives in a world that's so that really lacks them largely. I don't know. I, I guess I I hold on to that a little bit. Why don't we see what the uh, Ebert has to say about this film? <laughs> Ebert reviewed the, this film back on October 9th of 87, giving it three and a half out of four stars. So it's a pretty uh, pretty solid review on his part. Um, see here, he doesn't really talk about the film that much, focusing mostly on the comedy. But let me read a, a couple of uh, quick excer- excerpts from the review. He says the Princess Bride reveals itself as a sly parody of sword and sorcery films. A film about a film that somehow managed to exist on two levels at once, while younger viewers will be sp- Sit spellbound at the throwing events on screens. Adults, I think, will be laughing a lot. I don't know. It seems like a little bit of a simplistic. Yeah, it's it's kind of. But a I mean, not not review. not un, not untrue though. No, I mean it's not really. I mean, you talked about sword. I mean, you're talking about sorcery and 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 some other movies. I don't know. This. I mean, I guess it it just seems to be a super light sort of classic princess and prince sort of tale. With not too uh, much in the way of sorcery going on. I know. Sadly, like uh, this guilty pleasure he mentions in the review, uh, the film Legend by Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. which a ton of people dog on, and for obvious reasons. But I, I, I fucking love the movie Legend. Uh, we sh- we should it. really do Legend. I've been meaning it's, to it, it. It's a Ridley Scott film, and obviously without sort of the uh, richness of Ridley Scott direction and sort of the detail perfection of Ridley Scott. It wouldn't be, it'd be kind of a turd of a movie, mm-hmm. but, uh, for whatever reason, it's, it, the, the silliness kind of, I don't know. It, it, people think, Oh, it's silly and stupid, but I'm like, man, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. That film. I remember I living dog it. legend, having a hell of a nice look to it. Oh like God. A real it's feeling of, of, I don't know, a real feeling of presence, you know, it really uh, made it really made that world that existed in come alive. Right. So, anyway. Um, he does compare it to this is Spinal Tap saying both films are funny, not only because they contain comedy, but because Reiner does justice to the underlying form of his story. I, I think that's I think that's I think that's really true. I think both of both of those movies and I actually watched part of this is Spinal Tap today. I think that Reiner has this ability to uh, have fun with his characters, but also really love them at the same time. Yeah, he doesn't portray them. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't treat them cheaply. And I think that's. Films. I think. I think those are one of the reasons I like this film and this is Spinal Tap because you can tell he really cares for the characters, uh, even though he does go for laughs. Yeah, um, yeah, it's I, I know, there's something I can really feel there. Yeah, this is, 
I don't know. It just feels like I just feel a lot of a lot of care has been taken. He's not throwing any characters away. Um, to sum up, he says um, the movie is filled with good-hearted fun, and by a certain true innocence that survives all of Reiner's satire. I mean, I think that just goes back to the care that Reiner takes with his characters. Although, do you agree with uh, the funniest sequence being Billy Crystal and Carol Kane? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but it's not. It's I'm not just my wondering favorite. why I mean, you my hated favorite. it so much. I, I, I didn't really. You know, I didn't, I didn't really think Carol Kane was that interesting. I mean, it had some funny bits. It just, if anything, those seem to be the characters that are. Those two characters are the most flippantly treated by Reiner. It doesn't seem uh, to well, take as much care yeah. with them. And by necessity, yeah. because it's such a short scene. I mean, it, it's fine, and there's certainly some funny moments in there. And where they're talking about, you know, he shouldn't go swimming for an hour, a good hour. I think that's a pretty yeah. funny line. Uh, it's, it, funny. It, it's, it's funny. It's just not, of a movie I love, it's not my favorite aspect. Of the I think it just speaks to why I don't really like Billy Crystal that much. I, I, besides the whole New York Yankees business, I, I I don't know. He's sort of a mainstay of, like, Oscars hosting. And I'm, I keep thinking, was there something Billy Crystal was in that um, When I Harry really, met Sally? Yeah, well, to me, that just uh, Harry met Sally. Uh, maybe we should do that at some point. But I Absolutely. find it. While I think it's sort of um, what would you call it, um, unrequited relationship wish fulfillment. I don't. I don't believe uh, that ever is the case between men and women. That is it sort of line. as fictional about relationships as this film is? Yeah. Is that, is that, is, is that something that bugs you about the film? Uh, when Harry met Sally. Well, this this film too, the sort of unbelievable uh, romance is unrealistic. Well, it's because portrayal of love. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess. I mean that mm. that uh, to me, it seems like at some point in my life, I've I wrote off the whole prince and prince charming uh, idea as you, as sort you're of never going to find a, your prince charming out there. <laughs> I think Billy Zane's no, sadly. single. No, sadly. No, sadly. But uh, I think I've written off that whole feasibility as a plot element a long time ago. Uh, I don't know how I got into that, but uh, same with Harry Met Sally. So I'm trying to figure out what, whatever I found endearing about Billy Crystal in any movie mm. that I ever wanted to watch, that I would like watch a movie solely because Billy Crystal was in it. And I got nothing. I got Zilcho. I got oh, what's nothing. What's that movie where he's a cowboy from City Slickers? Oh, City Slickers. Oh, Fuck's sake, fucking City Slickers. The Legend Jesus of Curly's Christ. Gold. That's City Slickers, oh. too. Let's do that one. Oh. Well, there you go. I, what? I mean, nobody can. I'll watch a movie because I, I would have watched. Like, I'm trying to think of his contemporaries. Robin Williams is sort of a Billy Crystal. Same era, I guess. Same. Yeah, kind of, a little bit, but. Stand-up uh, comedian film, and you know, I mean, um, but think uh, of a contem- who's a contemporary of, of Billy Crystal. Let's just throw Robin Williams in the ring. Yeah, Williams. All right, uh, maybe some of the '80s SNL guys. But yeah, okay. But I mean, I would go out of my way to see like a Robin Williams Williams film. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything to go out of my way to go see something Billy Crystal was in because Billy Crystal was in it. Like fuck yeah. that. So yeah, what? Williams it just happens to be in a range film on both sides than Crystal. That's for sure. And now he's gotten like I think he's gotten a lot of work done. He looks really weird. 
anyway. So well, he's getting up there. Know. I mean, what's he supposed to do? He still's got to get those uh, roles in Hollywood. It's stuff out there. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, not the funniest sequence, Robert. Uh, harshly disagree. So all right, well, that's about it. But he still liked it. He gave it three and a half. So I think he really was charmed by it, like I was. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, anything more on the Princess Bride? I don't got anything. I'm trying to think of a little anecdote or two. Why didn't you? Uh, oh, Buttercup. That should be on your short list of oh, names. Just to uh, give Robin, a heads right? up. Buttercup. Yeah. Uh, Buttercup. Uh, it's a. That says physician. Well, okay. You got. Well, you got. <laughs> you got a uh, uh, girl's flowers names, right? You got uh-huh. Daisy and Lily and Violet and all that. And Rose. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Buttercup, it seems like a little bit of an extension of that, but an mm-hmm. unbelievable, unworkable. How about Dandelion? Dandelion, better, I would say. Better? Uh, better than Buttercup. Mm-hmm. Well, they're uh, both sort of weeds. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So uh, uh, what, let's see, Morning Glory. How about that one for you? Morning Glory. Oof. Morning Glory. I don't know about that. Uh, morning glory all over my backyard. Can't seem to get rid of that shit. So ubiquitous, if anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I, I don't know where I get it. I don't know where I'm going with all that. Just go with uh, Madison anyway. and call it good. Madison. <laughs> oh, those are the dead presidents' names. Mm-hmm. I, I have a whole thing about that. Uh, where ki- pe- parents name their Humphreys. kids after. Uh, oh, no, that was president. Coolidge. Coolidge, there we go. No, the, the worst offenders are Madison and Taylor. I'm like, oh, oh those are two dead. What well, fucking dead presidents, man? Don't mm-hmm. name your kid after the dead. You know, Washington's a better name than that. Or mm. Jefferson or... It uh, mm, sounds masculine. Uh, uh, let's see, Roosevelt. First name, mm. Roosevelt. That's not too bad. That's badass, man. That's like a cop name. That's like... Mm. Uh, you know, Stallone is uh, Roosevelt Jenkins, the cop with a fucking mission. I don't know. You Something. are drunk with naming power. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, head. you are. No, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird what goes on. We're we're in that mode right now of trying to figure out uh, uh, future names. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I get, I have GoldenNugget.com. See if you make some money off of it. I have association problems. I'm like, no, I knew some chick named that a while, like back mm. in college, and she was weird and annoyed me, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, I get stuck with associations, and I just uh, I write off names too quickly. Just um, use one of the grandmother's names and call her good. Oh no, I no, that's too easy. Edna, so, Edna, <laughs> Eunice, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next week, our film is uh, Tony is about, Scott classic. Oh, God. Is this about the same year as this movie? 84. I oh, it's earlier. It's earlier. Yeah, a little bit earlier. Uh, Top Gun. Hmm. So uh, uh, chock full of, of of hilarity and homoerotic elements that I think. Uh, and and, and creative camera angles to uh, mask one of the particular actors' uh, sh- uh, short stature. Shortness. Well, I, there's a few scenes that I think I, I don't remember much about the film. I just remember the homoerotic bits, and maybe that was because I saw the movie when I was 13 and playing you know, with all the kinds boys. of hormones going. <laughs> Didn't yeah? There's the 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 gay the the gayest film <laughs> or the gayest scene in all film, which is the uh, uh, the uh, volleyball scene. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. And then there's the weird scene in the locker room 
with the slim down Val Kilmer, where they're all, uh, you know, uh, getting all macho with each other. And Val Kilmer does this weird move where he, like, bites towards uh, Tom Cruise or Maverick mm-hmm. in the locker room. Do you remember that scene? Like, he bites. He's like, I'm like, yeah. what's that? I'm going to chomp your dick off? There's something something really wild going on with that scene. Mm. So well, I uh, will... I will try to remember that. And he does it while he's like in a in a bath towel, like they're just gotten mm-hmm. out of the shower. Uh I and I know uh people that's another kind of chicks into that film too. It's a little bit of a chick cult film. I don't quite mm-hmm. know why that and Dirty Dancing in Greece. Uh so uh Is that uh, our next films? I wish we do after Dirty that, Dancing uh, in Greece. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think I can handle we'll that. We'll do Roadhouse that after that. Oh, Roadhouse. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, we'll do Roadhouse. That's a there's some uh Bill Murray thing that he does. He calls up Oh fuck, I'm going to get it wrong. But he, he whenever the movie's on and he's watching it like on TV, he calls up the husband of one of the actress's wife's that's in that film and says uh, Patrick Swayze's sleeping with your wife right now, or it's something weird, some real Bill Murray thing that goes on with Roadhouse. Hmm. Sounds I'll nice. Have to, I'll have to post on the blog or something. But uh, all right, so we got on long enough. Uh, until next week. Slow going. Look, I don't mean to be rude, but this is not as easy as it looks. So I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't distract me. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>